This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. What's up, people? We're back. Uh, one good thing about COVID-19 is that we're all kind of home all the time, so we're able to do a lot more episodes, even though it's not, you know, in a room with each other. We're not sharing meals with each other, but it's still enjoyable. I still get to talk to my friends. Uh, it's still a good time to get together and uh, see what's going on in the outside of the world. Um, today, we got a very special guest on the show with us, a uh, very good friend of ours, uh, the man who cares more than anyone in hardcore music. Uh, my good friend, Mike Ledette. What's up, Mike? What's up, buddy? How you guys doing? Good, Mike. We're doing great. Mike, is it true? Yeah, what's up? I'm just going to start this off with a bang. Is it true that you grew up eating rats? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Look, everybody in the world, Nutras are not rats, first of all. They're neutral rats, but they're not they're rats super, like like, like New York rats. rats. They're yeah, big, like, like they're they're big, like a mix between a beaver and a rat. Why did I know this is gonna be the first thing we talked about? I actually wasn't gonna lead off with that, but <laughs> for for the people at I, home, they they might have heard Mike's name brought up many times because we're infatuated with Mike's upbringing as a little kid running around the bayou in Louisiana, like like you would see on oh, TV, yeah. you know, I mean, and let's. It's, it's Go factual. That's, yeah. It's factual. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in South Louisiana and now we're south of New Orleans in a in a place called um uh, La Rose Cutoff Lafouche Parish. Uh it's straight <laughs> up straight That's up like true blood. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it's way down there in the bayous, man. Like, like, you know, uh like you ever watch Swamp People? Like those are our people, like straight up. You know, so we, we talk to a lot of people and we Almost everybody we talk to is kind of like us with as far as upbringing. Most, right. for the most part, somewhere in the Northeast, uh, New Jersey, PA, New York, Ohio, Connecticut, Massachusetts, that same bundle. And we all know the, the scheme, how you get into this, this thing of ours, this music scene. But coming from down there, how the hell did you end up even coming, like encountering this type of stuff? Well, it was kind of crazy. I mean, it's kind of a long story, but it's kind of a cool story, I think. Well, at least for me, it was cool because um, we grew up like super poor. Like we didn't have much of anything. Uh, literally, you know, uh, being from South Louisiana, growing up in the ghettos of South Louisiana, pretty much because my mom didn't really have a lot of money. So we kind of grew up super poor. So we just kind of made things work. And it was kind of funny because I got introduced to music from like my, my brother who uh who went to the army and uh, I used to like not get nothing for Christmas ever, but like a sweatsuit or like a Lamborghini poster or like a box of fruit loops or something. That was it. Right. A box oh, of fruit. Loops. Those God. three things, those yes. three things are so different from each other. That's crazy. Literally. That's what I got that Christmas. Like no yeah. joke. That's what I that's got. That's great though. They kept you surprised. You probably right. expected none of that. No, exactly. But my brother got me a Walkman and, um, Ooh, nice. And, and that like old school tape cassette Walkman. Game changer. Yeah, you know, this was in like straight up like 90, 89, 90, right? Somewhere around there. 
And, um, and I, I, he had the weirdest tape too. He bought me kisses, crazy nights. You remember that record when they like took off the makeup or whatever? Mm, yeah. I remember hearing about that. That was like a big, yeah. a big deal, I think. Yeah. And it wasn't the greatest record, but yo, it was the coolest thing in the world to me because it was like mine. It was like the coolest thing I got for Christmas. And I was kind of like squatting at that point a little bit, like kind of living because my mom didn't really have like a place per se. So we were kind of just squatting around and I listened to that tape constantly front, back, front, back, front, back, front, back. And then, um, and you know, back in the day you, you used to get, um, you know, like if your boy had a tape or whatever, you would just copy it. You know what I mean? Like in those dual cassette, you know, uh, yeah. uh you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So high speed so, dub. Right. So I'm in South Louisiana. We actually had moved from the bayou to a place called Homo, which is a little bit more of a city. Um, and I was squatting, just hanging out with, you know, what we called heads back then, you know, just like the weird metal kids. Cause you know, I was like, uh, you know, we were just a bunch of weird kids in my, uh, my friend had a suicidal tendencies tape, Lights, Camera, Revolution. And I like put it, I was like squatting on this bridge one night. And I'm like literally like 13, 12, 13 years old, something like that. And um, I'm like sleeping on this bridge. I have no place to go. I'm like scared shitless. And I'm listening to this tape. I'm like, wow, dude, this guy totally gets me. Like first time in my life, I never felt alone. Like first time ever. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of like, I was like, I have to be in a band. I have to be in a band. And then, uh, but I had zero talent, dog. <laughs> zero talent. So I went to like a church and tried to learn how to sing. I lied to everybody, told them I was this good drummer, can't drum to save my life. You lying in the church? Damn, son. Dude, I just, everything, man. Anything to, that's not it. a, that's a hard lie to pull off too. Cause like, yeah, you know, everybody knows to get tested. <laughs> Yo, I got totally checked on it, like totally hard. And then, um, so it was kind of funny because as I was getting in trouble and I got in a lot of tr- trouble and I got like kind of put away for a little while, um, I was in this place and this kid had, a, um, I met there. It was a lot like me or whatever. He had this, uh, death spiritual healing album. And, uh, I listened to that and I was like, Oh damn, I could do this, you know? And then I got shipped back to North Carolina to live with my dad. Cause I got in so much trouble. I had to leave. And then, uh, and then I came here and I found a death metal man. Kind of went from there. So, what ages were you up uh, coming up in in Louisiana? I was from when I was a little kid, like you know, like three or four, all the way till I was like until I got shipped off at about uh, fifteen. Okay, so that was really your upbringing down there. Yeah, I mean, I was like, uh, I remember, I remember my mom left my dad when I was like two or three. I remember the flight from Okinawa because my dad was in the military. So I remember the flight from Okinawa when I was that young. And then uh, the rest of the time, we just stayed in, on the bayou, man. Like, Where were you born? In, in Hawaii? I, no, I was born in California originally. On, on Oh, Coast. you're Cali, yeah. dude. Don't no, you so laid back and chill? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a southern thing. Well, I mean, I'm from nah, Louisiana. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Yeah. Yeah. But check this so, out. Check this out. Be- Joe, before you say anything, he's from Louisiana, we know of like a, a kind of like a weird metal scene down there. There's definitely a handful of bands that came out of there. But that was a huge are, metal scene. Are, are those bands from like the Bayou or are they from like New well, Orleans? Well, my cousin was in a band called Acid Bath. Audie, he's, he passed away. Oh, yeah. Acid that, Bath that was an incredible band. And they, yeah. they played at CC's before. I saw them at CC's. Yeah, and they were right. amazing. They have a song called yeah, Street, they were from- Street of a Butterfly. Yeah, yo, 
Dude, that guy had the dopest lyrics ever. He's like, yo, uh, they had this uh, album called Pagan uh, Love Song. Oh, no, Pagan Terrorism. That was a, That's what it was. And um, he had a lyric. It's the dopest line ever. He's like, creeping like frost as slow as grape moss, drowning in a dry ocean of bone dust. Like, how Ooh, sick is that? That's hard. <laughs> but um, those guys were actually from the Sammy Duet, who's in Goat Whore, and it was in Crowbar for a while. He was actually from the same place I'm from. Mm. So, um, like from the bayou. Um, but so was Dax lived in uh, Dax Riggs. He lived in like Homa for a while, but I think he pretty much stays in Metairie now. And then um, okay. like near New Orleans. But like the New Orleans scene was big when we were kids. But it was like funny because like Phil Ensemble, when I was a, when I first heard bands, Phil Ensemble sung for Razor White because he's from New Orleans. And he mm. sung for a band called Razor White. And 80s, like the hair scene in where I was from was massive. Like, you know, bands like Lillian Axe and Zebra and all those bands were from there. So, and my brothers were into that. My brother, like, jammed in that stuff. It was kind of in this band. Messed with these guys in this band called Gypsy Rose, which was kind of a big band from then. So, And that's, was, that's like a, a poor area, right? People are broke. Well, yeah, it was like, it's a trolling community, you know, there in New Orleans. Either you worked offshore on the rigs or you're a welder that worked on the rigs or you trolled, you know. Did or you have... Did you have uh, plumbing? Yes, Richie. We okay. had plumbing. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to picture it. I don't know. Like I'm picturing like, you know, like what we see on TV with those animals. I mean, those people down there, they're, they're broke. <laughs> they're running around half naked, overalls, no shirt underneath, barefoot. Yeah, that's kind of funny, though. But I had, I did <laughs> I did have an uncle, and I'm going to regret even telling you this, but I did have an uncle that would who was a mechanic his whole life. And mm. every time I saw him at work, he had overalls and no shirt and no shoes on. There you go, son. <laughs> that, I'm not saying it for no reason. Damn. But so, yeah, so that's what I'm picturing. A broke-ass young dude. And it's like a big French influence? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's actually the last. Louisiana is the last. If you know any lawyers, they'll tell you this. But it's like kind of you got to go to a different bar when you're in, like have a different bar exam because it's based on Napoleon law rather than French law. I mean, uh, English law. So it's like a little bit different. So like, yeah, it's, it's like a wicked corrupt place though. It's like, super did your corrupt. family speak French or no? Yeah. My grandmother, uh, it's like weird. It kind of sucks a little bit because, uh, they stopped teaching us French, but my mom can speak it, mm-hmm. but it's like one of the last dying languages in America. So it kind of sucks. So it's like it's their own version of French. Yeah. It's like a different dialect. It's like a mix between spanish and french a little bit like people that um come from canada can understand us uh but like people who come from france don't really it's like not doesn't really translate very well i guess could you give us we do have we do have french listeners could you give like an example of like a phrase or something well like my papa used to always tell me all the time is like which is like you little shit you little devil i heard that my whole life literally yeah shit devil you're a little shit (laughs) devil yeah Zamuti Diab all the time. I learned a whole a uh, whole bunch of like history about how how Cajuns came to be. In, yeah, the in Canadian Norway. criminals. Yeah, kicked out. Well, they the- were only criminals. They were criminals by exile. They weren't actually yeah. criminal criminals. They were just right. exiled people who were labeled criminals in France first, and they yeah, were banished. Yeah. They were banished to Canada. Then they moved them down to Maine, and they moved them all over the place. In Maine, there's a, a area called Arcadia, and these people yeah. were called Arcadians in right. France. 
And when they moved on down there, Arcadian just became Cajun. Right. And, and then what happened is the reason they ended up in Louisiana is because they went down the Mississippi for the fur trade and they were all trappers. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of how the whole, because in Louisiana to graduate high school, you have to take uh, Louisiana history. That's a mandatory mm. thing. So, yeah. So, but no other Very state recognizes that as a course. It's funny. So now, what, Mike, you what mentioned that you were you mentioned that you were in a death metal band. That was your yeah. first band. I saw yeah. like a great picture of you. Uh with long, with long, long hair, hair and you look so <laughs> like evil. You look like you you almost look like you would be in one of those like those late seventies, early eighties metal bands, like with yeah. where they're all about dropping acid and shit, you know? You look like <laughs> one of those kind of bands. Yeah. What, is it that was, the band? Yeah, it was in a band called Incarnate, like back then. It was kind of like the perfect time to be in death mm. metal, too. That was like, because, you know, that's when everybody got, like, all the big death metal acts got signed to Universal. You remember that? Like when uh, uh, Morbid Angel and Carcass and Entombed and, like, Napalm Death all signed to, like, Universal. And they were, like, huge. That's when, like, uh, Carcass's heart work came out and uh, Napalm Death's Utopia banished, I think. And, um, uh, Morbid Angels Covenant came out, so like those were huge albums, they were massive. And uh, we were playing, you know, back then I was playing with this band called Teratosis in, in Fayetteville, which now is Nile. Members of that band are now in Nile. And you know, I remember playing with like Cannibal Corpse when I was little, like when they weren't a massive band, you know what I mean? It was, it was a crazy, it was a cool time, but they're just, it never was. Music here was wasn't huge. It was just you know because I lived in North Carolina at that time, and then North mm. Carolina it was like just a weird scene for a while. It's always been a weird scene, really. Yeah, a lot of very fruity kind of guys on there. I noticed the North Carolina guys, kind of a feminine element. I'm sorry, did you say fruity? What fruity? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yo, so like that's all like death metal i guess stuff kind of heavy metal death metal stuff what got you into like the hardcore side of shit that you, well, you've been in since i've known you that's what you've been in yeah um well it was like kind of a like this like cool story really because so i was in this death metal band and we used to cover crucified as a cover somebody wanted us to do it one time mm. and um and I loved the song. I was like, this song is great. But I didn't really listen to a lot. I came from metal, so I didn't listen to a lot of hardcore at that point. But I love that song. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, man, this song's so cool. And then um, we would cover uh, Orgasmatron also, but the Sepultura version, not the Motorhead version. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then I was like, man, these songs are dope. Like, I liked them a lot more than what I was listening to with, like, you know, Suffocation and all these other bands that I was listening to. And I still like those bands. Um, but then we, uh, we, I listened to those. I'm like, this is great stuff. And then I got the, you know, the, that, that, uh, the first, um, AF album that I picked up was One Voice. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my, what is this? And then what was so cool about it to me was, was that, um, that I was like, these guys actually are writing about something. All this other stuff was like, you know, just about murdering and all this other crazy stuff. But I also, when I was coming up, I loved thrash metal a lot. That's where I kind of broke my teeth before I got into death metal. And I love bands like Sacred Reich and Megadeth and, and all these bands because they were very politically driven, you know, and I was really into that. And, uh, and, and especially with like, 
for Napalm. Napalm was very, they got that from the punk rock side of things. They were very political in the writing. And I started really getting into writing at that point because I, I was trying to sing, even though I was like that weird kid all of the band around. Like if you guys would have known me back then, you would have hated my guts. Cause I was just like, I was like, oh, I'm in the band. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I was like, I'm that guy that's in the band. And these guys are like, I don't even know this kid. You know, <laughs> this is so oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. I was a weird kid, but I just wanted to belong, mm-hmm. you know? And then when I moved here, I found this band in, in back ass woods, Richlands, North Carolina, uh, two dudes that, um, three dudes that I, you know, just, we just did it, man. And we were the only band doing anything like that here. And then we found, uh, you know, we, we knew some guys in Raleigh, uh, some of the guys in Eldridge Horror and Debauchery and Despondent, who's now uh, Chris from Despondent's in that band, uh, Widow, which is a pretty big band, like a metal band. And then the guys from Teratosis, who are now a couple of the guys are in Nile. And we all just played around all of North Carolina, just trying to make it work, you know? Yeah. And that was, that's how we started. And then it grew into what it, you know, turned into the metalcore scene. And I was in many bands after that, playing with many, many bands. So, and then what really did it though, Richie, is, uh, is when we went up north and started playing with some of these bands and -hmm. meeting some of these guys. And I remember, it's the coolest story. I remember when I met Raja the first time. And this is after I got into playing hardcore. But we played at Ziggy's by the Sea, which is in Atlantic Beach, North Carolina. Nobody was at the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just us. And I and I was like, damn, you know, Roger, it's really nice to meet you. So, like, you know, we talked for a little bit, nothing heavy. Two years later, they play in Wilmington. We play with them. Mm-hmm. I walk into the place and Roger goes, hey, Mike, what's up? And I'm like, how the hell did you remember my name? You know yeah. what I mean? From two yeah. years ago. And it's been like that for years. Every time yeah. I see him, you know what I mean? And that really kind of resonated with me, man, because I was like, we were starting to, and then, you know, going from the the death metal scene, I got into like the Christian metal scene. I got really deep into that and was like nominated for a GMA and all this other stuff. And every time we played with any of those bands, they were like the biggest jerks in the world, rock stars, jerks. But then we would go up north and play with you guys and strength and, you know, all those bands from up there and everybody was the coolest. And I was like, yeah, I could, I just loved it. So you guys really the ones that sold me on it, like made me change my whole life about it. <laughs> we are really an incredible uh, group of people and uh, highly influential. Let, let, let me change that. Uh, Jotham was really you, not Richie. Oh, see, what a hater. No, but check this. What do you mean? Really? G- what did you say? GMA you were nominated for? Yeah, we were. I wrote this song called I Will Be a Victim for when I was in a band called Spider Opposition. Um, it was like uh, it was after Columbine. Remember uh-huh. like the whole Columbine situation? Yeah. And I wrote that song and we were in uh, at that time on a, a label called Blood and Ink Records. And uh, we were distroed through Barry and we were um, nominated for a gospel music award. No way. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I had to go to Nashville and play. Well, of course we did. I think Living Sacrifice won actually that GMA, I think. That well, they played like crazy. at the award ceremony. No, no, no. We played. It was actually this is a kind of a cool story. We played, uh, you know, who Jim Baker is right. The yeah, Christian like guy on TV. Yeah. Well, he has a son that's like all tattooed up. And he wrote this book called uh, Son of a Pastor. And it's like mm-hmm. about his life as, you know, he's a Christian dude, but he's like all tattooed up. He's a, he's a cool dude. He's, but he had this uh, showcase that we played with like some some solid state bands. Some of the band, other bands that were distro through Very Distro. and yeah. uh, Out and, of Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. And that were... Uh, that were kind of nominated in that category or whatever. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, I don't even think we made it like very <laughs> far in it, 
they said we were nominated. So I was like, yeah, let's go play. It was cool. You know what I mean? Were you always into this Christian stuff or at some point in your life did you get into it? I, I mean, I got into it later in life. I wasn't always into it at all, but I definitely got into it later in life. And my perspective has changed on it some, but I mean, I'm still a, like a guy who believes in God, you know what I mean? But it's just a different kind of view. So Mostly I hang- imagine either you were scared of something, uh, looking for some kind of uh, alternative hope, or just investing into some sort of fairy tale to ease your your own dissatisfaction with life. Which one was it? Uh, uh, I, I plead none nah, of them. I'm, I'm trying to diss. I'm trying to diss you know, so, uh, no, I like yeah, this no, to the Christians. They take it good. They take it good. If I said that to a Muslim, they'd be trying to kill me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it is what it is, man. I mean, like that's, what's cool. That was the one of the big things I loved about hardcore. Uh, one of the, one of my favorite moments I think ever in hardcore is, uh, I was at the Mad Monk in Wilmington one time and, and there was a show that came through. And I, I don't know if you guys remember this shirt, but I think it was like Doggy Dog Strife, Earth Crisis. Uh, I, don't, I forget who else. Maybe Strife, Earth Crisis. No, I'm sorry. It was Shelter, Earth Crisis, Doggy Dog, Mad Ball. It was like a tour. You guys remember it had like all their logos on the front of the shirt? I don't remember that. <laughs> no, nah, I don't remember that particularly. Yeah. Uh, maybe I got the bands wrong. I remember a uh, Mad Ball Doggy Dog Downset tour. Yeah, but yeah. Earth Crisis was on that on that tour too, weren't they? Yeah. Maybe it was that tour. Not the one I'm talking about, but you know, but who knows? I, I got you, All right? It was Go something ahead. like that, and I just remember going to that show. And this is really, um, I kind of was like, kind of came into the show last minute, and I didn't really know everything that was going on with it. But I was just like, man, all these bands are so different. You know what I mean? And they're all on the same tour together. And I thought that was that was the start of like the coolest. I was like, this is the coolest I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you know, getting later, getting deeper into like Bad Brains and the Cro-Mags and just the whole history of it and everything about it. I mean, I shaped my entire life based on it. You know could, what I mean? Could you like name every band you've been in or not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was in. Let me see. Seems I like there's in, a lot. I don't know. Yeah, I was in. Let's see, incarnate firstly, and then I was in spite of opposition. Then I was in uh, Kiss Before Dying for a very, very short period of time. Then I was in Nurse to Flame for a long time, and then I was in Choose Your Weapon for a long time. And now I'm in uh, paid. Well, I did a, a paid in full. Take this from the future. No one's take your dream. I will burn this whole world down. Don't know where 
Bushido code. So I'm doing both paid in full and Bushido code. Oh, I 
Okay, and we met you during Nourish the Flame era, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you met, the first time we met was uh, uh, that one hall, and I was playing Nurse of, <laughs> Nurse of Flame, and we played a very horrible Sick of It All cover. Oh, shit. <laughs> In uh, Nanticoke. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. I don't remember a horrible Sick of It All cover, but. It was pretty horrible. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> now, Nourish the Flame was a straight up, uh, that's a Christian band, right? A Christian hardcore band. Well, no? it was, I think it, no, no, Spot of Opposition was a Christian hardcore metalcore band. They were like, okay. it was straight up Christian. Um, Nourish the Flame was just like a positive, posy kind of, there, there was Christian te- Christian-esque lyrics in it, but we were never yeah. really a Christian. Man, we were signed to a Christian label, though, so I guess you could say we were, but uh, we never looked at ourselves as Christian band. We were just Christian dudes yeah. in a band. You know what I mean? Now, Joe, Joe, did we miss out on all this stuff, like Christian <laughs> metalcore, Christian labels? I never even knew this stuff was going on. Happening, but I remember, like, no offense, I just wasn't interested in it. Yeah, but in the in the south, it it was huge. I know it was it was big up here. I remember um, that band Zayo used to play, and they were huge. They were a really big band. Um, I wasn't Brothers Keeper. I think no, no, brother, uh, no, uh, uh, Shockwave and like. uh, uh, X Disciple X, they were from Erie, man. That's why, like, they were like straight up. Yeah, I remember that band. The, yeah, they were a straight they, up Christian band. Yeah. Oh, they but, were uh, Christian band? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember it. Not not Shockwave, Shockwave was a Transformer, band. yeah, yeah. Shockwave wasn't, but the members of Shockwave <laughs> were uh, were in X Disciple X, but uh, yeah, I do remember it being big, but it was like it was big at the same time as Krishna band, Krishna bands and labels yeah. were, and it was kind of oh, like, was there a beef or no? No, I don't never. remember that. I just remember uh, not being. Okay. I, I just I, I kind of in my mind lumped them all together. Where I was just like, all right, I'm just gonna stick with Madball. That's just like a regular. <laughs> regular I would I don't have to, imagine I don't if have there was a Krishna versus Christian beef. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> I'll put my money on the Christians. Well, I mean, hardcore yeah, was a place that we could, you know, back then, and, and not so much anymore, which pisses me off. But um, hardcore was a place that you could be whatever you wanted to be. You know, you could be straight edge. You could be a Christian dude. You could be a Krishna dude. You could be a Buddhist. You could be anything you wanted to be. And and that was what, what made hardcore hardcore. You know what I mean? It wasn't about yeah. a fucking dress code or how cool I look on my Instagram or how many friends I have. Yeah. Well, you you say that Nothing now. to do but with that. And that's you, the part of it that. Yo, Mike, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. You, you cut in and out a little bit here and there. I don't know what it is. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, it's okay. But you say that now, but on your on a Twitter post lately, you said that you don't think uh, a gay person should ever front a band. What's what's the thing? <laughs> the thing there? I never said anything like that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. Are it? you are you on Twitter, Mike? <laughs> I don't even have a Twitter yeah, account, bro. Picture you being on Twitter. That's that's funny in itself. Yeah. Picture of no, I'll just tease. I'll just tease. Yeah, I this is very inclusive. It's inclusive. It's inclusive scene for sure. And uh, so, right now, is there an active, thriving Christian hardcore scene that you know of, or, or not no? really? Uh, I think the last big Christian band was Sleeping Giant, and I mean oh, they're okay. great. Yeah. yeah. But you had you had some bands out there that got super big, but I mean, like, you know, what is that? Uh uh the Devil Wears Prada. They were supposedly a Christian band. Um, some of those other bands, like, you know, I I, I think that, you know, uh I think it's all 
it all got sold out just like everything else, you know, mm. um, yeah. you know, dudes sold themselves out to just make a dollar or to look cool. I think some dudes, I think sleeping giant was the real deal. Those guys were definitely the real deal. Um, and I love that, uh, Tom green, the singer, man, he's like the coolest guy. Uh, but for me, it was, I stopped being about, uh, Christian, non-Christian a long time ago. I uh, just, it, to me, it was all about hardcore and just my view of it. You know what yeah. I mean? And what I thought, you know what I'm saying? Um, but. Yeah, I think there's, it kind of loses something when you put a thing in front of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you're kind of like you're taking, you're you're kind of like limiting the the people who would be interested. In, like me, for instance, when I would see like like uh, Christian hardcore, or Krishna hardcore, or something like that in front of a a band's name or after a band's name, it was an automatic, like, ah, I probably wouldn't be into that. Cause I'm not into the thing they're that they're yeah. all about. You know what I mean? Joe was so already running like, from that stuff anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I remember. So like, yeah. I, I, I kind of like limits your audience. It could open you up to a huge audience too. Like yeah. if you get into the, right. I'm nominated for GMA. That's like, gotta mean something. You know what I mean? As far as like ha having, an audience but and that was pretty that was pretty early in that whole scene too it was kind of crazy because you know that scene wasn't big then but you know what what was different between us and that's why i say we weren't necessarily a christian band because i mean i was unapologetic about my beliefs and that to me is what hardcore really is just you're the being godfather you're the godfather of christian hardcore dude no, I'm not. Not even close. <laughs> Jason Moody is from NIV. That dude's the oh, godfather oh, of hardcore. That's the band. That's the one I was thinking of, NIV. Yeah, yeah. that guy did more for Christian hardcore and hardcore than anybody I know. Oh, yeah, how about Jesus Christ, huh? I mean, mm -hmm. what about him? He was first. He paid that ultimate price. He did it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, forever. He did it in, in the Coliseum, in front of Lions and everything. But uh, yeah, it's something I just never was too familiar with. That's cool though. It's like I pro I remember uh, no innocent victim. I remember like it was. I just thought it was a straight up hardcore band. I thought it was a good band. But yeah, it shows you I'm not paying uh, too. And I mean, attention. I think to be honest with you, I think to be honest with you, that's what it started off being. It was just they were just a, a guys that believed in hardcore the way I believed in. It's like, hey, this is no matter what you believe, no matter who you are, no matter what mm -hmm. you do in your personal life, this is a place for you to belong if you're true to yourself. And that's what. Sick of it all taught me. That's what AF taught me. That's what, you know, um, even Hatebreed taught me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, hey, heart and bad brains, especially. It's like, yo, I can be anything I want to be here. I don't have to hide. I don't have to pretend. I don't. And that's what, you know, when I listened to that suicidal tendency, going back to that story, that's what, that's what made my life change is that for once in my life, I felt accepted somewhere. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. to me, it's, really personal you know what i mean so to this day so it was, it was a big influence huh yeah like if i ever met mike Murr in person i'd probably like geek out like hard yeah like yeah because like the guy has this like a emotional con he's i've never met him in my life i've never even seen suicide since he's live really Seriously. i've never seen him live ever that's wow. crazy dude. that sucks i know but I feel like I feel like that time is coming past for me. Like, don't get me wrong. If they were playing tomorrow near me or close enough to me that I could go see them, I would. But every time they play, there's something crazy going on or I'm on a show or I'm out of town or they don't really come to the East Coast that much either. Um, so and they were gone for a long time. But 
Mm. At the same time, like I want to see him with Rocky and like that whole, you know, that lights camera revolution setup, man. Like, oh my God, I would die. That would be the best. Well, you know what I'm going to do for you right now? What's that? I'm going to, uh, hold on a second. Let's see if I could do, let's see if I could call him for you. Should I, call, should I call Mike Moore? Mike Moore? I think you should. Do not call that dude. I'll geek out right now, bro. Don't do not do I that. I want to hear. I'm more interested in hearing Mike geek out. Wait. Oh, Mike. Done. Anyway. This is an unprecedented post America podcast. We may- Okay. Let's call this is him. like Mori Povich. This is a Maury Povich moment. I didn't know you had Mike Merz phone number in your phone, dude. Hey, hello, what's up? Hey, Mike, what are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, man, it's all good. Down California, getting the suntan and all that shit. Mike, Mike could you talk hello, to man. my friend Mike Lede on the phone, please? Lede, say something to him, please. Uh, uh, you, you're cool. Super Yo, man, cool. I really respect you, man. Do your thing and stay up and try try to teach your best. <laughs> <laughs> Try to do your best in life, okay, man. I know I mean a lot to you, and I wish you all the best. Oh, Mike, can I, can I? I well, go ahead. Question real quick, because Mike, Mike, tongue tied right now. So yeah. I just want to jump quick. A moment uh, in your career that really stands out as pivotal, where you said, "Okay, you know what? We're really good, good to give it everything we got." Well, I remember back in the day, I got a letter from this young kid down in Louisiana. And, and he said, yo, Mike, you mean so much to me. And you got me out of the gutter. And you, you made me save enough money to buy some speakers so I could, so I could run around with, without bare feet. And right there, I told the band, yo, let's get it together. And let's go for real because there's people out there that need us. Yeah, I, I can't help but notice your voice is so different from the way you sing. It's really incredible how you can you can turn it on and off like. Well, a true singer would never come out with his just normal talking voice. You know what I mean? So this is it. This is like how you save it for the for the stage. When I'm on stage, I'm like a different man. You know what I mean? When I'm in my regular life, I'm very timid and laid back. Right, right. Now, is there any chance? Like, I know you you take a lot of bands on tour with you and stuff like that. I would love to set this up where you know you could take Bushido Code or Choose Your Weapon or you know on tour with you right now, paid in full. Uh, is that is that something that's possible in the future? You think we could maybe put this together? Man, as long as he bring a Pepsi Cola case, he can do. He could come on tour anytime. He always welcome to tour with us. <sighs> Fuck, man, this is amazing. Uh, thank you so much for answering <laughs> the phone. I know you're busy. Uh, tell everybody we said hello, uh, Mike. Anything you want to say in closing remarks? Uh, you're cool. Super. Well, keep cool. the faith, for young brother. Keep the faith. All right, Mike. Thank you, man. Fuck, oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Amazing. We make dreams that's come a, true that's on great. Mike Post America. <laughs> <laughs> Richie, that, yeah, huh? I can't help but think Mike's Mike Muir's voice sounded so familiar to me. Was, <laughs> it really did. I was really trying to put my finger on what it sounds like. It was kind of like Kermit the Frogish. I think it was very <laughs> Kermit the Froggish. Somewhere Kermit between Frog here. Somewhere between Kermit and and, uh, and Ray Ray. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like I somewhere in between that. the two of them, but hmm, I don't know. But yeah, I and either way, that was really cool. 
That was really fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, for Mike, Mike Leday, we'll make it happen. You know, he wanted to talk to the fucking yeah, guy, and we yeah. called the guy. We put him on the phone with Mike. That's all. And what a down-to-earth guy, you know? I mean, just this like, is great. Really, honestly, guys. Day made. Life made, really. Yeah. Yo, I heard yeah. a... Uh, when we were in Colombia, <laughs> I heard a great story, Mike Muir story. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell him. Oh, this is so amazing, man. So this dude, very similar to yourself, it was like his... His all-time favorite band, Mike. Like his, it's he. You know, he he just thought they were like the 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 hardcore gods. This is the band that got him into it. He loves every word they ever sang. He was like dying to to meet them. You know what I mean? He got to see them at a festival uh, in Colombia, and it was amazing. You know. And he said, "My dream is to see them in L.A." So this dude is a bass player in a band, and uh, he, his band just came out with a CD. And he he flew to L.A. to see Suicidal play at some big festival in, in Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh, after they set, there was do- they were doing like a big signing where you could come up and meet the band and shake hands, take pictures and whatever, you know. So he stood in line for like an hour. The line was so long and everybody was taking pictures. And it was like this, you know, amazing feeling of anticipation as he worked his way up the line. <laughs> And then he gets up to Mike Muir and he had his whole speech planned out in his head. And he said, Mike Muir, man, you, I just want you to know you're like my idol. You know, I really I really love it. your band and you mean, you did so much for my life. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And uh, I just I really I want to give you a CD of my band because uh, I'm just such a big fan. And, you know, if you listen to it, that would be great. If not, you know, whatever, I understand. And he took the CD and he just threw it. <laughs> what? He just threw it like a frisbee. He said, "He said I don't have time to be listening to this shit." He just threw the CD like a frisbee, and he said it was like the most heartbreaking moment of his life. But in retrospect, it was the funniest fucking thing ever. And as he was telling me this story, I was laughing so hard because he was saying it in like you know like a broken English. You know, he's talking to me in his second language, so he's telling me this story. And it just sounded so fucking funny that, and I was just picturing him throwing this CD like a frisbee, yeah. and it's, it's just like hitting somebody, and like you know, just you know, a Yo, CD that, could fly far, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, dude. That's the funniest thing because that's the story I've heard of him being. The other story I heard is from Stickman. Stickman told me, "Have you guys?" Yo, Mike, you're breaking up. What are you doing? Skateboard. Have you guys heard about that? Mike, you're are, you walking out. Are, you are you walking outside or something? You away from the Wi-Fi? What's doing happening? anything? I'm talking to the mic here, bro. All right, we're breaking up. Tell the story, you stick man. I got uh, cool. Yeah, stick, no, man. stick man. Yeah, stick man told me this story about when he met Mike Murr and had his kid and had the skateboard. You guys haven't heard the story? No. no. Okay, so stick man, <laughs> you know, being stick man was like, "Yo, man, Mike signed the skateboard for my kid," and then uh, like Mike's kind of ignoring him a little bit. So stick's like, "Yo." Signed his skateboard for my kid, man. Uh, and he's like still ignoring him, you know, kind of like acting like he don't want to do it. Yo, and then Stickman was like, yo, sign this damn skateboard, cuz. Like, <laughs> 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 so he like straight intimidated, like pressed him until he signed it. And that's like the second story I've heard that Mike's like that. I was like, I don't know if I want to be the dude. Yeah, we can't confirm if he's totally like that, but I'm, the the guy did, from Columbia seemed like a cool kid, and he definitely did tell us that story. I met him once. 
and he was no, actually, I met him twice, and he was cool both times. But I didn't ask him to sign something or take something. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm sure I, I know. Like it sucks when people hand you stuff and you're like going somewhere. You know, you're like walking around a festival, and then you now you got a handful of stuff. Like, you know, it's annoying. But I would ne- I would never like expect someone to be rude. Maybe say well, no thank you even or like ah oh, man I really can't maybe maybe later or if you drop it off at the merch you know that'd be cool because then I don't yeah. have to carry it around all day or something you know yeah I wish we would ask him about that while while we had him on the phone oh yeah that's true <laughs> yeah exactly we should ask we gotta call him back I call him back I don't know <laughs> yo but I did have one of those moments where I like met one of my idols and like uh so this is a cool story I don't know if you guys know it but I was uh. I was told that Soulfly was playing on Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, just like a, a free show for the military, right? And uh, my friend called me, and they're like, yo, Soulfly's going to play this free show. You should come out. So I, like, showed up because, like, Sebatura was, like, I was a huge influence in my life, you know? And um, so at that time, if you guys uh, don't know, but on the Choose Your Weapon album, uh, Hard for the Heartless, we have a hidden track of Refuse Resist. It's a cover of Refuse mm. Resist. Nice. Just on on that uh on that record. So I just wanted to meet him and give him one. Like I'm weird when I meet people like that. Like I geek out. Like I don't know what what it is. So I walked up to him and I I was all put together and I was like, Yo, Max. I was like, I uh, just want to say a huge influence. Uh, this is my album. I actually cover your song on there. It's it's you know totally credit to you. It's you know like that. And he's like, Cool. What song? And I'm like, Oh, you know, um, Refuse Resist. And he's like, Cool. You sing it with me tonight. And I'm like, what? Oh, and he's dope. like, yeah, he's like, no, 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 you sing it with me. My voice is messed up anyways. You sing it with me. And I'm like, uh, instantly, I forgot every lyric to that song. <laughs> <laughs> instantly. So I like walk away and I'm like, I go to my, I have my truck there. I go to my truck and I put the album in and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And then, um, so I, I have pictures on my Instagram. I think I showed them to you before, Richie, but, uh. Like I get on, I get on this little. It's not even a stage. It's just they park this tank behind us, and uh, they set up and they play in front of like fifty or sixty marines. It's the coolest thing ever, really. And um, I got up there and like I belted out the first note, and I'm like, "This is the best I've ever sounded in my life." You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I, I I just kill it. I'm so proud of myself. I walked to the side of the stage. I was like, I didn't screw up a single line. Um, I'm in seventh heaven. And then uh, he walks to the side of the stage. Uh, and he goes, oh, your voice is brutal. Totally geeked out. I couldn't control myself. I had to leave. I was so wow. geeked out. Wow. Like I could, I could, I was like, I'm, I, I was speechless. But that was like getting gratification or getting acknowledgement from an idol. And then yeah. and not only that acknowledgement, but like positively, you know what I mean? And like, man, and that's when I just really dug in. And really was like, I'm going to do some of this music thing. And it's worked out great for me so far. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's a cool story, though. I like I like to hear stories like that. Yeah. So, so the Sepultura dude was, was, he was dope. He was cool. He was he was super cool. And it, like, I don't know if anybody knows this, but his wife is his manager. And she's really weird about recordings. Like, she don't mm-hmm. like anybody recording them. And uh, I asked a video and Max was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no crap. It was on a, a video camera that I actually had in my truck. And mm. I have lost the tape. The whole thing was videoed. Oh, and I've lost the tape. All I have is those two pictures on my Instagram. That's wow. it. That's almost better, though. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yo, uh, when did you... Uh, you have two kids now. 
Yeah. You had your first. Were you pretty young yeah. when you had your first kid? Damien was born when I was like 17. That's true Southern style, son. I like that. That's how we roll, bro. That's, That's how we roll. Southern. Yo, Take Joe, you notice that? Down south, like dudes get married up way earlier, have kids way earlier than up here. You yeah, know? it's like the goal Yo, Joe, right, out of, right out of high school. Like, you're like, yeah, oh, Joe, I got to get married. Jotham, yeah. he's going to start with his whole sweet boy thing. Don't let him. Don't. No, no, nah, I'm, I'm serious. That's a real thing. I bet if we look at stats, that's a real thing. You know what I mean? That um, seems like so a real thing, Mike. I, look I at mean, all our friends up here. It's, 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 it's kind of a real thing, fellas. It's a real thing. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Damien's 24 now. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a man. That's Joe, my homie. He's a lunatic. Yeah, so you got a oh, you God. have a, a son that you go to shows with, and you see him stage diving and moshing and singing along and doing what you used to do. That's got to be pretty crazy. Yeah, man. I, Dame was Dame was on tour with us when he was little, like when we were touring hard. Uh, I remember. I don't know if you guys remember, but remember we took him on tour when we did that leg with you guys. Uh, was it like you guys sick of it all? Uh, Mad Ball. Yeah. And, yeah, and like you know, Damien was remember like like nine in the parking lot skating. You know yeah. what I mean? At like six in the morning. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just uh, that was that kid's whole life. That's all he ever did. So you know, uh, I, I mean, he's uh, I love him today. He's like one of my best friends, and he's like the, one of the loves of my life. I, I just truly adore that kid. Even though sometimes I want to drown him in a bathtub. You did you I mean? ever? Did you <laughs> ever hit him when he was younger? <clears throat> Uh, not really. I remember this one time, uh, when he, uh, broke edge and completely broke. Um, uh, he came home super hammered, like hammered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, <laughs> like he parked, he had his license taken away from him and uh-huh. he was, he was driving a, uh, a scooter around. I remember, I remember this. Yeah. And he would, he had the scooter <clears throat> parked half in the road and mm-hmm. stumbled in my house and I was like, all right, man, I didn't say nothing. So like the next day, <laughs> the next day I came home and this is the closest I ever got to like hurting him. But mm-hmm. the, the next, when I got off work the next day, I was like, yo, man, me and you in the backyard. And he's like, mm-hmm. backyard, what for? And I'm like, you're faster than me. I can catch you by the time you get to the fence. But we going outside and handling this right now. Oh. And, and he's like, he's like, dad, no, man, no, dad, no. But now the kid probably kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! What happened when you went to the yard? You scolded him a little. Nah, no, nah, he just was, you know, it's crying like, you know, Dad, I'm not gonna do it, man. Duh. Whoa, 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 whoa! He was crying. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he'll deny it to this day. You should have worked for crying. that. I remember staying at your house like shortly after that, and we were uh, like for a weekend or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we went to the beach, and we, me and Damien had a heart to heart in the in the ocean as we we're floating around. And I was like, hey, you know, listen, man, you gotta you gotta do the right thing. You know, I gave him a little a little, a little uncle speech, talk. a little uncle pep talk. You know, at least he didn't have a straight edge tattoo. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. You that's know, true. But the, you know, look at the people that Damien grew up around his whole life. You guys, Big Carl, all these people were influential in his life. You know what I mean? And uh, it, he's a good man. I mean, like, I can't. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, there's times I want to kill him. But other than that, he's a good man. It's a and then, dude. Then I have Cadence. And Cadence is uh, 11 now, which she looks like she's 15. And wow. Completely owns me. It's crazy. This guy got two kids, 27 bands. <laughs> only now, two bands now, man. Only two bands. Yeah, only, only two active ones now. But yo, would you ever do a reunion with, like, maybe Choose Your Weapon or Nourish the Flame? Because those were, they, they had their thing, man. 
I, mean, I think some people would be interested in that, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people would be or not. I mean, I know that uh, Choose Your Weapon, uh, the two original members, like me, Chris, and Neil, and Fowler, um, who's Fowler's been in every band with me since Nurse Flame. It's like a bad marriage I can't get out of. Um, but uh, we, um, we, I'm always down. We've done, we've tried to rebirth it a couple different times, but it's just never really panned out. We tried the same thing with Nurse Flame, but the original Nurse Flame members, well, that'll never happen ever. No. Why does beef? Uh, one guy doesn't talk to us at all. Like I don't what's know his, what's his fucking problem. I don't know the guy. Like he's a fucking whatever. I don't even what's want to go down name? the road. What's his name? Willie Carrion. Who? Willie. Willie, Willie Carrion. You motherfucker. You carry on. Good. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. Mm. If he was on yeah. Spirit Air, you'd have to pay extra. I, honestly, yeah. I have <laughs> Spirit Air. <laughs> um, if uh, I haven't heard or seen from him literally since the band broke up. Seriously. Mm. It's, so there's it's no beef weird. then. He just disappeared. That yeah, he just yeah, he just not, I don't know if there's any beef or not. Like I've tried to find him a couple times, reach out to him, people that knew him. He has no interest in talking to us. So I was like, whatever. Sounds like beef. Yeah, I guess maybe. It sounds then, like maybe that's beef. Yeah, me and the drummer, me and the drummer do not get along at all. At all. So why what's his problem? What's his fucking deal there? <clears throat> More beef? Yeah, that's beef. Yeah, for sure. Beef, beef, beef. Over what? Uh, it's like a lot of just band stuff. You know what I mean? Just uh, personality. Flying up all the money. All right. None of our business. Yeah. I took everything and ran. <laughs> all that GMA money. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And right. you know what, Mike? Mike, you in lo- you're like, you're not a tattoo artist, but you're like heavily in the tattoo scene. Yeah. Like how, I have been. how did all that stuff come up? Come like how, how did North Carolina become some sort of almost like a hotbed for like dope ass tattoo artists? Well, I'll tell you that what's really funny is it really kind of started with Port City Tattoo with Angelo because uh, Angelo was a New York tattooist, but everybody that tattooed in New York tattooed in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they would come down in North Carolina is right in the middle, right? So like guys like Darren Brass and Ami James and Joe Capabianco, all these big names now um, um, in tattooing. At that time, you know, tattooing was big, but not like it is now. And and at Port City, there was like Martin Lacoste tattooed there, and he's a legend. And, you know, um, just so many great tattooers were coming through there, like Joe Capabianco, Joe Vegas, just big names in tattooing. And I used to just – I mean, Port City was like the shop. Everybody just hung out there. Like we would mm. spend our entire weekend just hanging out of the shop. And um, now the guys that work there, you know, worked at, you know, uh, worked for Mike Rubendahl, like Matt Becker and, you know, Justin Pierce uh, works in um, Raleigh. There's all a whole bunch of really great tattooists. Let's go on and on. But um, and then North Carolina, kind of, you're right. You're right. Became like a real hotbed for tattooing. It's just a lot of big names came out of here. You know, you had the Charlotte guys with Chris Stewart and Matt Skinny are just destroying it. And then, you you know. Even the younger bucks that were coming up, like Little B, Glenn Wilson's been a legend here forever, uh, Jeff Cribb, all these just the Wilmington tattoo scene, the Charlotte tattoo scene has been like big part of tattooing for a while now. Damn. Yo, do you know that skinny guy personally? Maybe you could get me an appointment with him, maybe? Uh, I don't know. I would, I, would have, I would have to call. I don't maybe know. Maybe pull some strings. Uh, <laughs> what do you got to do to get hold of that fucking guy? Come on, skinny. Yeah, That's like you don't t- know me. Yo, skinny tattoo my whole head. I've been like, yo, I gotta get this thing, you know, kind of touched up, bro. He's like, yeah, 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 right. Touched up, <laughs> oh, dude. Do not, 
retattoo your head. What are you on drugs? Dude, I've retattooed it three times. It sucks you, yeah. every time. I'm a I'm a I'm a believer that heavily tattooed dudes like they like pain. Dude, like, I do not like pain at all. I just had a goal in my mind. I used to it's all really Roger Moret's fault, really. You tell Roger it's all his fault, actually. Yeah. yeah. I believe Roger and Vinny and John Joseph, these guys should be getting a, a, like a 0.03 percentage from every tattooist in the country right now because they made these guys a lot of money. They, Dog, they, I, used to have, I, used to have, I used to have a picture of Roger Moret when he was in that Hit Parader magazine. Yeah. This is a true story. I used to have all I used to tear out all the pictures of all the bands and hang up them on the wall. And I used to have a picture of Roger Moret and he had uh, no shirt on. He had the crucified tattoo, like the crucifixion tattoo. And I was like, one day, man, one day. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be like this guy. Well, but you got him beaten out. I tell him that story all the time. He, he kind of gets creeped out a little bit, but it's cool. I get it. I mean, you, you got him way beaten out, dude. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Just your stomach alone is like three three his skins, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> That's Damn, Joey, come on, Joe, help out. That's pretty good. Tough Richie. crowd, like tough it. crowd, was, tough crowd. That was nice. I get it. No, Mike, Mike, listen. Like, uh, you're telling the pe- for people that don't know you, they're getting familiar with you. We were gonna, we were supposed to see you in like a week or two, right? Yeah, yeah, we were supposed to. Yeah, we Get had the a low down of that. This this sucks. And this okay. is like some current event shit. Well, I just want to go on the record as saying that I don't always talk about the wedding. I don't always talk about it. Richie likes to think uh, that I always talk about it. Fruity with but it. I don't You're talk excited. about it. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, I was supposed to get married next Saturday. Uh, we had a huge shindig all put together with a lot of money invested. And, I was so uh, excited. And it sucks. Yeah, it was going to be. It really was going to be epic. I'm not going to lie. So we yeah. had this whole setup of the aquarium and like this whole thing. We're still going to do it, but it's going to be a year. From- Yo, so, I but- had I had a beach house rented out with Ray <clears throat> and Luke. That was going to be a good time. Dude, I would have just gone and hang out with you guys. That would have been yeah, fun. But we had fun. like we had like over 200 people come in. Like, you know, uh, my my good friend Jotham lead the the whole thing off. It was going to be pretty rad. What and was he going to do? A, what do you mean? He was going to do the service. I'm the really? wedding official, official Richard. Yes. Yes. Forever and ever. Were you going to sing like the, the lines like that? I was going to do I that. I wanted to. Is what brings us today. I like that. Joe, did you have anything special written for him? Maybe you could tell us now since it's not happening next week. Yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. Didn't have I anything written? I do. I have a, a whole bunch of notes. I have. I was actually, I was kind of bouncing it off of a pastor friend of mine because I wanted it. I know how you are as far as your like your your uh, beliefs and things, Michael. So I wanted to make it as I wanted to make it good for you. Aww. So I have yeah. a pastor friend that was helping me write it and and make my my outlines and everything. You know. Uh, just touching on some key points, making sure that I I made it as personalized as I could, and that's beautiful. Make, so make it like, uh, you know, fitting for like a Christian, a Christian devout Christian's wedding. You know what I'm saying? Well, that was that would have been it was super rad, man. I was just stoked about, it. and then I was gonna make Richie dress it's up. And, in the end, it's gonna be rad. Don't don't worry. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's going to still be red. And then I'm still, I was going to make Richie dress up and act like a fool with us. So it was going to be I was going red. to, uh, I had a speech and everything too. I was going to give a little speech and. Oh, that's tight. It sucks. Yeah, I mean. Yo, but Leah, Leah's super bummed about it. So we tried to, we took the whole week off this week uh, to kind of like, kind of do some stuff and go up to PA and visit her family and stuff. Hey, so no I, leaving the house. This is a stay at home order. I mean, yeah, we're staying home. We're staying home. Wink, wink. So what do you think? What, what do you think about what's going on right now? Is it bullshit? Is it real? Do you follow directions? Do you mind your business? What, what What's I mean, going on I, here? Like how it affects my work. It doesn't really affect my work because my work hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal life hasn't really affected all that much because we don't, unless we're doing something with a band and that's affected a lot. But uh, I, I agree with it, uh, but I'm kind of a history buff too. So I understand you know, you know, when the Spanish flu happened, it did the same thing, you know, killed a million people the first time, five million the second time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's a real deal. I mean, this this kind of stuff's legit, but I don't think people really understand the economical um, consequences of this yet. And they're going to realize yeah. it. The economic yeah. side of this thing is going to be a lot worse than anybody can really kind of put their head around, you know? I mean, think about it. The Great Depression, the unemployment rate was twenty two percent. Yeah. Right now, at, 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 at right now it's twenty five. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's legit. This is serious stuff to think about. You know what I mean? Well, if you think about this, all right. In in like towards the end of March, we had about thirty deaths in America. Okay, the end of March. Right, right. now, if you believe what they say, we have over eighty five thousand. So within a little over a month, you have eighty plus thousand deaths. And you have them while we're still under strict stay-at-home orders. So if we didn't have these orders, how many deaths might we have if this is a real thing? Are we talking hundreds I mean, of thousands at this point? I mean, if you think about it like this, put it in this press uh, in this perspective. If it like during the Spanish flu, during World War II, and all that stuff that was happening, um, there was no media outlets there except for newspapers. And people were, um, people were, uh, there were less populated and way uh, less dense populations. I mean, look at New York City now compared to what it was, I don't know, 50 years ago, 60 mm-hmm. years ago. You know what I mean? There's millions more people. So personal space has always been an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not as bad in North Carolina because it's rural. You know what I mean? But you get in the cities, yeah, I think absolutely. If if they wouldn't have done what they did, it had been ten times worse. But is it over? Hell no, not even close. You know yeah, I mean? like a lot of people are quick to say, "Look, the uh, the survival rate is so high; it's not a big deal." So, but is it not a big deal because we're not seeing anybody and we're quarantining that's ourselves? The, that's I mean, the that's, difference. I think that you nailed it. Low, isn't this low death count? Just because we did this stay-at-home measure, and people not, I think are just like saying, like, okay, not a lot of people are dead. Let's go back. Like, well, no, I, I think that the death toll is higher than what it is because we still think about it. We still aren't getting tested like we should. You know what I mean? I think there's mm-hmm. way more people out there. But the other side of it is is that people aren't personally affected. So if you're not personally affected, it's just a number on a TV screen. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, three thousand people. 5,000 people, 54,000 people. I don't know anybody personally that died. So therefore, eh, doesn't affect me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But, you know, because we're so misinformed, 
Like, you know, back in the day, the newspaper, you read the newspaper, it was legit. These days, you don't know who to believe. Yeah, it's you know funny. I mean? You said, like, back in the day, there was only newspapers, maybe, you know, radio. But, like, now there's so many news outlets and so many ways to get information. But there's no way to know which one is telling the truth. Well, you know, it, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I just got sent a podcast today. And I was going to bring this up to you off, uh, like, on a personal level. But somebody sent me a podcast about, have you guys heard about this whole the scorpions win a change thing have you guys heard about this yet no okay so supposedly that um the winds of change that song was written by the cia so this is what the theory mm-hmm. is to end the cold war right so it shows and and if you dig into it i'm not going to go into it but uh, i just listened to a podcast about it. it's just interesting but what it is is it shows that that how the, back in those days, that a simple propaganda tool, simple, could actually change the tide of an entire generation. You know what I'm saying? Something as simple as a song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Could lead to the fall of the Soviet Union. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but I see the, I see the idea. But if you think about it, like all back in during the wars and World War II and even the Vietnam War, it was a propaganda war. On top of the actual war, you know what I mean. So they were trying to influence people this way. But the, I think that's what's happened is there's so many different forms of news and communication coming in every different direction. You don't know who to believe. Like if you watch the news and you watch four different channels, three of them will tell you the president's horrible, and one will tell you the president's the best thing that's ever walked the face of the earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's it's just it's not fact driven. It's just propaganda. You following me? So yeah. it's like hard to it's hard to tell how bad this this thing really is. It's probably a lot worse than we all can even imagine. And then there's oh, you know, it was made in a lab and they purposely did this and all this other crazy. Who I mean, it could go on and on and on and on. You know what is I mean? Is there any any possibility that that might be true or no? I mean, anything's possible, Rich. I mean, you know, like even that even, interesting. Even, even that thing we talked about with 5G. I mean, I have so many people call whoa, whoa, me about whoa, whoa, whoa. There's nothing wrong with 5G. Yeah, I'm just telling you. It's just, it could be anything, man. You don't know. You know what I mean? Because the the lines of information are so diluted, you know? Yeah. You know? I was I was listening to one guy on YouTube named Thunderfoot. Uh, and uh, he's like a uh, scientist, chemist, doctor, whatever. He's, he's been doing videos for like 10 plus years. But he claims you go to stopping the quarantine and at some point, you're going to have around 300,000 deaths a day at some point. He said that's I mean, how infectious this is. And that's what people just aren't getting, that it's just going to burn. And there's not, a, you know, 85,000 in a month in a couple of weeks is just not enough for people to believe it right now for some reason. So what the thing about it. The thing about it is the thing I never understood about a political system or even our society is that people that go to school their entire lives to be able to tell us what to do with this thing. Mm-hmm. They're all telling us the same thing, but people are acting like they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I, mm-hmm. I know how to fix. I know. How to, I know how to write a song and fix ca- uh, telephone cables. You know what I mean? I can tell imagine, you about that. Imagine I if I showed you. up at your job telling you how to fix your cables. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what the hell do you know? I mean, or if I show a, up and just say, you're not really doing that. You're just pretending to do that. Exactly. Because it's you lunacy. can't really do that because. Those that cables aren't even broken. 
Exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it's imagine like, if we had the internet like during World War II, people would be like saying, there is, I have a friend who was in Pearl Harbor. He said absolutely nothing happened the other day. You know, it's like, ugh. Crazy, dude. Like, that's yeah. the whole thing. Like, people don't understand that, you know. Like, even going back to the global warming thing, you know, every scientist in the world's telling you, yeah, this is happening, man. Like, you know, and then everybody's just like, eh, it's not really true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I saw Until, a guy on the internet said it wasn't true. I'm going to take that guy's, you know, I'm going to believe that guy over everybody else. Me, I kind of don't buy into anything. And I'm, you know, I remember when that Jesse Smollett, when he came out with his, you know, he said he got, you know, that racial attack. I kind of felt like it was BS, but I didn't want to say anything because maybe it was real. You know what I mean? But a lot of people jumped on that hard and, you know, blaming Trump, blaming this guy. And it turned out the guy was full of crap. We never know what we never know what to believe. You know, I know that he was acting, whether it was whether he really got jumped or not. I knew that his I knew that his he was acting when he was telling people about it. So maybe he did. But I know he was full of shit just because he's acting the way he's he's describing the story. Yeah. So (laughs) what what really gave it away is that he still had his sandwich. No guy would beat him up and not take a sandwich, bro. That's right. Come on. <laughs> I like the way he said it. Sandwich. Sandwich. Wow. We got sandwich. sandwich down here. <laughs> I like when he said influence earlier. He's like, influence. I was like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. He yeah, got the that Cajun. comes out every now and then. Now, hey, there's you one see- thing uh, that I've been thinking about that, that I think is going to be a consequence of this. And I'm not like super um educated and as far as the way economies work and things like that but it seems to me we got how big was the first stimulus bill they passed was it like three trillion right two trillion two trillion so now the next one that they're pushing for is three between two and three trillion the next one right yeah Yeah. but most of that how most of that that even most of that money went to uh, hello Say that again, Mike. You sound like an underwater. Yeah, yeah say that again. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Most of that money went to the richest corporation. Okay, but it still went out of a some you know sort I mean? of treasury. It still went out of some sort of a treasury or some somewhere, and it's into yeah, people's pockets. Now you yeah. remember, everybody was like. Uh, mocking this candidate, Andrew Yang, who was trying to give everybody $1,000 a month or something like that. And everybody yeah. was mocking him. That's yeah, so stupid. Absolutely. Oh, socialism, blah, blah. Well, I, nobody, everybody's going to take free money. Nobody's going to say, like, nah, I'm okay with that. Like, that that's going to be a very rare person that's going to not take free money that's being given to them. And this is the case in point. So there's people who, first of all, people who said that people who are dissing him are not uh, turning down money at this time in their lives when they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I feel like there's got to be a cap. To, if Let's say it's $5 trillion that they, they give away. That has got to be crippling to the US to to the US dollar to our monetary system it's got to be crippling to it there's got to be some sort of absolutely 
insane inflation that has to come from this, which would be the depression everybody's talking about. That's inevitable. So what I predict is that it's not going to matter, though, because something's going to take its place. And I think there's I think people who understand money. Who, and that's not me, but people who understand money probably have something in place, some sort of cryptocurrency that like maybe not Bitcoin per se, but something like a Bitcoin that's going to take over because there's no way that they can just give out trillions of dollars and not have a huge negative uh, side effect from that. So I think there's going to be something in place that is willing to just step in and take over when where the dollar ends. Yeah, what most likely. About that? Most likely. Mike, you still there? Mike Laday, we don't hear you. Did I put him to sleep with my theory? No, when he was, he's usually not quiet that long. So I was like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, there he is. Okay. Yeah, we yeah, could, we could barely hear you. What changed? You're like in and out, man. Hold on one second. Let me see some. How's that? Can you guys hear that? We could hear you, but you know, will it go maintain? The, go see if you can check the telephone lines. Check. <laughs> Maybe that's. Hold on. Let me check. Let me try this. Let me try this. No, I do so. Damn. Now we can hear the ceiling fan now. Can you guys hear me now? Hello. Yeah, I hear hello, you. hello. Yeah. All right. Does that sound better? Yeah, it, it sounds more consistent, but I wouldn't say better. You know what I mean? Uh, what What did you do? Did you unplug the mic? Yeah, I tried to unplug it and replug it in. Okay. So what do we got that? here? Yeah, I mean, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot. So yeah, sorry, I was I was about to get all epic on you guys right now. What, so what do you Joseph? think about that though? We were talking about the cryptocurrency well, taking over, and well, maybe. If you, well, if you think about it, like um, going back to the the New Deal when Roosevelt had the New Deal after the Depression, I mean that was the most radical idea at the time. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go to the richest people in this country and say, "Hey, look, you guys are gonna dig us out of this. You've been making billions and billions and billions of dollars off the American people for the longest time. We're gonna use you to dig out of it." And that's exactly what happened. But then after that, the economy was the best economy the world had ever seen until the seventies. You know what I mean? Um, the houses were affordable. Uh, jobs were available. Now the war had a lot to do with that, of course, but um uh the people were the rich were still making money they just weren't making the money they're making now and and i think that's the biggest problem is wealth and income inequality man like these people that are on top jotham have look at jeff bezos or is that how you say his last name bezos bezos, bezos. bezos. yeah look look how much money that guy's got yo he's yeah. got to be killing it right now especially he's, a he's, on, he's one on thing. track to be the first trillionaire, first trillionaire. Dude, yeah. have you ever seen like have you ever seen that that uh, somebody did it on Instagram or something where they took a rice and they showed the difference between one billion dollars uh, per like per a grain of rice compared to a trillion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's a stupid it's amount of yeah. money to yeah. sit there and pull out a stat that says the top ten people in this country have more combined wealth than the bottom eighty percent of the nation. 80% of us that 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 10% have more money than that 
you, you follow what I'm saying? Like the numbers are astronomical. So what happens is when you have these crises, you have a clogged drain on the top. These people on the top have all, all this damn money and it's not filtering and they're just hoarding their money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you say, it's got to balance out. At some point, the table's right, – right now, the table's tipped over, and everybody's going to crash because they can't – at one, some point, they're not going to have any money either because we're not giving it up to them. You follow what I'm saying? The, the, the faucet, the drain isn't working anymore, you know, and that's how depressions start. That's how recession – you know what I mean? So it's uh, – you're right. It's Something's got to break. The richest people in this country have to understand that they – it's cool to be rich but not – insanely stupidly out of control rich like how much money do you need you know yeah but what can you really do to prevent that i mean well look at the wealth tax look at the wealth tax they were talking about the wealth tax they're like oh my god you're gonna you're gonna tax somebody 50 percent yeah after everything after five million dollars you know yeah but i mean you can't even get middle class and low-income people to go along with that so that's never gonna happen you know? Well, the richest people in this country aren't even paying what we pay in taxes. I, I understand that. I'm just saying there's, there's so a- many poor people and middle class people that vote against their best interests. That's the yeah. craziest thing to me. That's the that's the part of it that and especially living in the South that I never understood. Like you'll sit there and go, go to a booth and vote against anything that would everything that some of these people are, are voting for goes against everything that they need in their life. I never understood it. The yeah. the whole puppet string march, man. That it's like everybody's, you know, just puppets. It's the craziest thing ever. Well, if you look at this the first uh the first bailout, two trillion dollars, if you split it equally among every human in America, it's about seventy five hundred dollars a piece. So we know that the you know, we got the max we could get as middle class people was 1200 right. so that was really a consolidation of wealth because a lot of big corporations swallowed up that money and they took it knowing they were never going to follow the terms and right. they're happy to just take out a loan for such a low interest and, and payback rate so it was like just you know really really some companies got called out on twitter and gave the money back some real big companies are just like yeah buy it and like take the money and do whatever we want with it and you know we break the 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 contract but we just pay back at this small interest rate so it it was not really in our nature in in our like you know interest but joe what you said was what's going to happen later the yeah. only thing that makes it even a little bit is all these other countries are around the same. They all did these bailouts, even some way higher than ours. So globally, it's not like all of a sudden America loses traction because they had to spend so much during this outbreak, like you know, all the major countries did. So I don't know what's going to happen. But if we just – if they sincerely think this thing is bad as it is and they tell everybody you got to do this until – we figure out what's wrong and everybody's getting the G note, uh, you know, a, a month or a week or whatever it is till we do. And they just artificially de the, uh, like to just take away 10% of, of what it's normally worth. They could ride it out, but you just have certain factions in the government that, you know, maybe they're right. They don't think this thing is that serious and they want to open up immediately because 
economically, it could be a disaster. So I don't know what the right thing to do is. And I don't know how many lives are worth saving the economy. You know, is it, right. so you said, if you ask a person on the street, listen, we have to close down for six months or two million die. You know, some might be like, nah, fuck it, two million. Some people might say, no, no, that's too many. Okay, how about one million? Uh, well, maybe, you know, I, it's almost like you're trading off if this whole thing is legit. And it's a weird situation yeah, to be it, in. It, it's like the numbers don't have a face. You know what I mean? And the, yeah. and the few make the decision for the many. You know what I mean? It's, 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 uh, we're, we live in a really scary time, guys. <laughs> really scary time. Yeah. I think that if they came right out at the beginning and said, let's just say, let's say June is the num is the, the time when most places are going to open. Mm-hmm. If they came right out in the beginning of, uh, March, right? Is that when all this shit happened? That's when it started setting off, yeah, around yeah. March 14th. Yeah, I think. March, yeah, something like if that. If they yeah. said then, we're going to have to shut everything down until June, people would have lost their shit. But what they did was say, you know, oh, let's give it two weeks. And then, ah, oh, we'll give it two more weeks. They know damn well they can't open this shit probably till fucking August or September is probably more realistic. If, you, if it's really as deadly as it is, appears to be or as you know they want us to believe it is then in the interest of saving lives from the disease you would say okay let's go longer is better you know what i mean if in the interest of saving lives through economy which is another very real way to save lives uh you know then the interest is to open it up quicker at least just to get money flowing. But if people are dying and scared to go outside, then that shuts down the flow of money too. You know, mm-hmm. fear, nothing shuts down the flow of money like fear. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the for, thing. For certain, even... for certain industries, for certain industries, for some right. industries, it probably fucking makes it, you know, explode. But. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the crazy thing about this. It's like, it's, uh, it's like uh, we're looking at numbers instead of faces. You know, you're like, you know, like just think about what you just said. It's like, oh, it's just a million, million people. What, what's the deal? That's a million people. You know, <laughs> it's like, what, what, where does the disconnect there? It's not, it's not like million shrimp or a million fish. It's a million human lives. You know, yeah, you know, like when one person, when one person dies, it sends ripples through you know how many people are affected by the death of one person so like just think of the the tidal wave that's happening from the death of a million people that's that's got to be you know that's got to be felt worldwide yeah it's hard to say because like i I don't what is you know if you trust everything they say then opening up would be crazy but a lot of places are opening up right now Mm -hmm. you know so yeah, I mean, I know. in the south, in the south, the the beaches are open. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. it's. But at the same time, I mean, it's you know, people. I still think that people are, especially here. I mean, I don't. I'm not in the city, but people for the most part are keeping their distance from each other. They're not, you know, wearing masks. They're, you know, they're not. Uh, people are not trying to get in each other's way. And I think this is the new norm. I mean, this is going to be the new, the new normal for everybody. You know what I mean? Now. Do you have any prediction when you will see your next live musical event? Uh, I want to say, I want to pray and say maybe uh, 
August, maybe. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know if we'll see one this year. Uh, I don't know if we'll see a, a, a real football game this year, which bums me out. But um, I, th- I think tomorrow, California or LA County is going to announce that they're they're pushing it until August. I think that I think that at some point you have to get on with life, though. At some point you have to. Hey, look, we're just going to be smarter, safer. You know what I mean? We're going to have to be, um, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, I, I work every day, but it's weird for me because in my job, I don't deal with people hardly ever really, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I might deal with a customer or two, but even when I do, um, distance. So my perspective is going to be totally different than you who live, who you guys work in the city. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, to you guys, it's like, there's no way not to be around a thousand people a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's, it's a lot different in, in, in the Southern perspective, but I still think that everybody here is still being very, very cautious, very, especially the elderly here. I mean, yeah. these people generally in the South can, they generally care about their health. They're kind of paranoid anyways. You know what I mean? So, and then we're about to hit this hurricane season, which is going to be even oh, one of the most shit. active this year. So it's going to be crazy. Is, is 2020 the beginning of the world's end? Is this possible? Notre Dame? Notre Dame? Pull out the book, guys. Let's find out. You know, it Notre seems Dame. like a like very like ten plaguesy, you know. Yeah, it's kind of ten plaguesy, bro. But dude, this is not the first pandemic we've dealt with. I mean, honestly, we've had the Black Plague. We've had, you know, the Spanish flu. Leprosy. We haven't though. We yeah. haven't had it. Us as a human human race. Has. Yeah. You know, this what is I mean? this is new territory for us personally. You know. I mean, mm-hmm. remember, I mean, smallpox, bro. Look at smallpox. Yeah. You know what I mean? Look at polio. You know what I mean? Yeah, but listen, they're like right now, what cured smallpox and polio? Well, actually, the, I love the story about polio. It was a uh, a doctor in like Massachusetts or something. I don't know exactly where he was, and I could be wrong on the story a little bit, but supposedly it was a family doctor, and uh, he he came up with a cure of for it. But the would gave it away. He wouldn't sell it. Yeah. He just gave it away. Now, um, what, he came up with what? Some kind. Of, I, I don't know exactly. A vaccine. A vaccine. vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a smallpox. What cured that? A vaccine. Okay. Now a vaccine is a dirty word, and people who are saying this could be cured with a vaccine are seeing people losing their minds and saying no. I'm never taking a vaccine. This is totally to make me worse when, you know, we do have examples of vaccines actually curing sicknesses that could potentially have wiped us out in the past. But now someone coming out and saying we need a vaccine is like, hmm, something sketchy about this guy. Uh, the Society itself, I think we're destined to let ourselves be destroyed through our I mean, own paranoia. We've been destroying ourselves for centuries, man. Yeah, you know but we've mean? been built. We've been building and building for centuries, building and building and building. Yeah, but we and now, got- I think that there there was a way to turn us inside out, and that's disinformation. And it's, well, yeah, disinformation it's a- is exactly what started the whole the whole mix of the process. Like we were just talking about earlier, it's like you know the greenhouse effect or whatever, global warming, whatever you want to call it, climate change. You know, here's these experts telling you, yeah, this is real, man. This is yeah, real. Yeah, but. I saw that these experts are paid by these industry people that want to promote this so they could get a, a, a climate tax and make money. So I don't believe it. 
That's, exactly. that's crazy. That <laughs> everything you say, Bill Gates is Bill Gates a good guy or is he an ultimate villain? Uh, I mean, have you have you seen the articles that. about Bill Gates nowadays and people's attitudes toward Bill Gates? Kill him, hang him, skin him alive. Uh, is this real? Is Bill Gates really this evil character that is trying to destroy the population uh, of Mother Earth? Is this real? Yeah, that's, that's crazy, man, because you really nail it. I mean, you don't know anymore. You yeah. used to be able to. You know, like uh, I remember watching that clip on YouTube about that HBO show or something where it's like he's talking about the people in news were revered. You know, they were trusted. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That whole thing. And now it's like you you don't know who to fucking believe at yeah, all. There was. Are you talking about that documentary that was on HBO about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, yeah. You got to yeah. see that. Crazy, crazy. Joe, it's did a, you see that or no? No. It's a yeah, documentary. I wish I could remember the name. Maybe it was called fake news i don't know but it shows you like like even the people who did it like are coming out so yeah we just figured we'd make this website to like kind of you know fight the competition in some kind of election and paint them to be a bad dude and all bullshit and people buy it up and people start different groups and say that we're we're the black lives matter group from seattle and meanwhile it's one white dude at home trying to infuriate white people all over the place you know it's it's, crazy Really, and then then there's the actual news. It, it's pretty crazy, dude. And you yeah, see how it, that stuff works. It's it's like a tactic. It's like it's like win a war without shooting a weapon. Make these people just hate each other. Yo, like I was saying about like the whole Winds of Change song. It's 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 all like it's it's just how people perceive things that happen. You know yeah. what I mean? I learned one valuable lesson in life that you can only control you. You can't control anything else. The only thing you can you can guarantee is yourself. That's it. The rest is just holding on for the ride. That's you true. know what I mean? Yeah. If so you if you're in a relationship and you're beefing with a girl, you can't control it because there's a girl in the mix. She gotta yeah. be this and that. If you if you're right now, if you own a business and they tell you to shut down, no matter what how great of a businessman you are and you shut down, it's out of your hands. But that's when it, it comes man. to you, that's you no excuses, son. You're more Tough you're more yeah, your moral compass is your own moral compass. Exactly. And right now there's an epidemic in this whole country of depression and anxiety. And it's kind of like, you know, it's not popular to say, but, yo, turn it around. Like, what? Like you know, it's like we're almost acknowledging their behavior as it's okay. Do it. Be more depressed. It's okay. Right. It's, it's not. Tell them it's not okay. You gotta. And of course, some people can't shake it, but a lot of people we know damn well can shake it and stop playing the victim and stop blaming everybody else. A lot of people can shake it. Tough enough. Well, fuck up. You know, it's like that's what's cool about writing music now. You know, I mean, uh, Jotham, I tell him this all the time, but to me, he's like one of the best storytellers ever. You know, no way. I mean? yeah, but um, thank but, you. But uh, to me, like writing, like we're writing a new Bushido record and stuff. And like I'm having an opportunity to just, just write, just kind of put everything that I've seen in my life on paper. And I think that these times, like right now where you guys are writing new music and a lot, everybody's at home and they're ha- being able to focus on their talent, it's taking something negative and making something positive out of it. You know, like with Derek, you know, playing in a band with Derek, Derek never gets to, he, he's constantly t- uh-huh. Now he can't do any of that. You know what I mean? So all he does is write 24 seven. You know what I mean? 
Mike, you said Derek is constantly, and then you cut out. What did you say? Constantly. Oh, I, uh, he's always, he's constantly tattooing and taking oh, gotcha. care of his kid, and yeah. you know. So now he's just writing all the time because he can't tattoo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, it's taking something negative and making something positive about it. It's all about your perspective. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. As soon as like I, I work straight at the same company for almost twenty five years, and as soon as we got shut down, I said, "All right, guess what." I'm going to set a goal. I want to have these songs for a split seven inch done before this is over. The artwork done, everything pressed up and ready to go before this is over. Otherwise, to myself, I said in my head, if I don't do it, I'm going to give away my guitar. I'll buy another one, but I'll give away this one and I like it. So that's my penalty. Luckily, we did it. We got it out of the way. And then you make another goal and you do something. You don't just sit around and wait like for some shit to happen. Make shit happen. Yeah, like, exactly. you know, there's always something yeah. you could do. And the people say, well, I can't do that because of this. All right, find something else then. Well, yeah, you it's know? like I was me and Lee were just talking about the, like the wedding, for example. It's like, OK, the wedding gets canceled. We were bummed. But, yeah, it's like, yeah. all right, let's 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 pick up and, you know, plan something cooler for next year. You know what yeah, I mean? We had we had off anyway. What are we going to do with it? Well, let's let's yeah, do exactly. something. Let's do yeah. something positive. You know, yeah, you got to You got to You got to just keep it moving. Listen, you got to be proactive. Moving. Being proactive yeah. is like. Uh, man, people, there's a lot of people like bored and just sitting around doing nothing right now. And it's like you never had it. All the shit that you think in your head, like, oh, I wish I had time to do this or I wish I did this or more or whatever. This is your opportunity. This is it. Yeah. This is yeah. when you could do it. Oh, I don't have money, though. You got to figure it out, man. Figure shit out. Go take classes. Go to school. Go fucking read books. Go Yo, online now? Just go online and you'll learn how to do all of that shit. Just this is the time to do it. This is the time to do it, people. So you gotta you gotta get proactive about your own. And guess what? Stop sleeping so much, everybody. Everybody wants to fucking sleep eight hours, nine hours, ten hours, twelve What what the listen, if you want to do something, then sleep three hours at night and get that shit done. If you have to work all day and then you don't have to, you got to sleep less and then do your shit and then reward yourself when you get your shit done. If you, if it's so important to take that long sleep, then do it. But yeah, there's always time to do stuff. Now, you know, me, Mad Joe, the band, we're trying to do a full length. We're trying to get it done. We're trying to do this, that, the other thing. I'm trying to have shirt design set, ready to go. Soon as something, soon as we are potentially able to play a show or if not, throw something new online, one, one every month. Have it in hand, yeah, ready to go. Cool. Stop yeah. being sucker bitches out there. We got Mike Leday here. He grew up with fucking nothing. He was <laughs> eating rats. He was eating rats. He was eating rats. rats. And they called him. His nickname was Mike Rot. He only had one oh, tooth God. in his really, whole. Bro? What? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Listen, Joe, I didn't tell you, but before we even started the <laughs> the interview, oh, I got a. I got a text from Darren and then he Darren said start his start the nickname with we have Mike Rott here today but uh <laughs> I love that so, name. Yeah, listen people at That's home. That's the hardest name ever. We you know, it's Mike, not the hardest name ever. Mike it's was a so broke dope. ass heavy metal dude living under a bridge and his and nickname he kicked in in a fight and his my nickname teeth was messed up. Okay, he had no teeth, so they called him Mike Rot, R-O-T. And I'm thinking, this is a, a great heavy metal, great punk rock name, and he runs from this. He runs from his his history, and that's not Kids. a good quality in it. Kids, if you want advice, don't tell your best friends about all your things that you're insecure about. They'll no, tell that's not true. everybody. That's not true. 
Listen, <laughs> listen, my friends make fun of me. Big Wiener Rich, get over here, this and that. It's like, yeah, I got it. Rich does oh, have a big ass dude. head. No, that's a fact. <laughs> dude, that's kind of fucked up that you were saying. That's that. a low blow, man. That's a yeah, low that's, blow. Just saying he's got a big ass head. <laughs> that's that's really man. I mean, who would do that to somebody? Yeah, Yo, you know, I just as you were talking though, I'm like, Mike Rot, he doesn't like that. What about I know you've been pushing puke rodent for a while. What about yeah. Luke Rot? Luke Rod is great, but it makes Luke no Rod. sense because it's what is it from? You well, know, his last like, name is Rhoda. Oh, that's true. Yeah, okay. Well, it's like you just take the A off the end and it's Luke Rod. Michael Lede, what do you and think about like, that? That's a punk rock name right there. Luke Rod. Our Luke, drummer Luke, is, Luke listen, is the best. You know his yeah. name is Luke Rhoda. And Rhoda. I wanted to, I wanted everybody in the band to have like old school punk rock names. So I named him Puke Rodent instead of Luke Rhoda. But he's not feeling it. He's like running from the name for some reason. I thought, what do you think? Is that a great punk rock name or what? Uh, I think it's good, man. I think yeah. it's good. Um, Puke Rodent. He's not that kind of punk rocker. It, like it is thing, a great like... punk rock name, but he's not that kind of punk rocker. None, yeah, like but none a... of us are. That's why it's be funny because none of us look like we should even be playing instruments. We all look like we should only be holding shovels. Like that's. You know. <laughs> We're a band that looks like they should have never even seen a live show, never mind be on the stage playing one. Like all the times that we showed up dirty, like straight from work, that made sense. That was like, yeah. a, you know, people probably thought it was like a gimmick or something. Yeah. Like, oh, look, they're, they're like playing. No, into, been, they're playing into their body types. <laughs> yeah, we just, I've, I've definitely seen Jotham walk in from hanging sheetrock and walk right on stage. That is a 100%. fact. I've definitely yeah. seen it happen. And I've we're all built like times. cardboard boxes. We don't look like, I mean, you put a guitar on me. It looks like, it looks like a dog with a cigarette. It doesn't look right. But it, you ever see like a really cool guitar player and he's like real like tall and skinny and his like, he's no shirt on and he got his waist bone showing and his tight jeans, black jeans are hanging low and his arms are, you know, like we don't look like we should. I think I wish we did. <laughs> look, I, look like a, I, look like, I look like a fat tattooed maniac. Yeah. Well, yeah, you uh, could pull it off because you're covered in tattoos. Once you're covered in tattoos, okay, you took care of everything else. But me and Matt Joe don't got enough. Yeah, we got I like stop short of, uh, and you know, I don't have a complete anything on me. We have like Puerto Rican people tattoos, like one here. Guys, and I haven't one. got. I'm getting tattooed next week, but I haven't gotten tattooed. In like five you're or covered, six like Vinny Stigma covered. said, you're covered in tat fucking twos. Yeah, like you getting a tattoo now is like defeating the purpose. It's like, it's like putting another blanket on the bed. It's like it's made. Like, stop <laughs> it's it. made. It's done. <laughs> it is crazy. Well, listen, listen. Let's before we go though, let's talk about the project. Well, you have you know you have two current projects, but you do right. have a future release you're working on right now. Well, I have two future releases actually. Okay, okay. What is it? Tell me. Okay, so um, we're gonna. Uh, Bait and Fool is going to be we're like two songs away from finishing um, Haunted by These Ghosts which will Shit. probably come out on um, Upstate we haven't really kind of talked to them about that yet but it looks like it, it will um, it's an album I've, I've actually talked to Jotham about it many times but it's an out and you but it's an album I wrote like uh, it's an old Choose Your Weapon album actually and hmm. uh, I rewrote it for Paid in Fool it's like all it's real per personal to me it's like all my personal stuff like it's yeah. uh it's it's uh, it's gonna be real epic man I'm really really excited about it just uh, a good friend of mine one time um 
uh, told me that once you start writing about uh, stuff about yourself, then people start really listening. Um, his name is Jotham. He told me that. Mad Joe, so, son. More props. <laughs> but uh, I was but, like, you know, who said that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, so we wrote that, and then um, I'm really excited about it. Um, we just the Corona thing kind of. Well, you know, we lost Angela last year, and that that kind of slowed uh, paid in full down. A rest lot. in peace. Rest in yeah, peace. For those that don't know, there was a lot of a lot of people ended up helping and stuff that didn't even know her, but they heard the story. But yeah. the guitar player from Paid and Full, Fowler, bass great player. guy. Oh, he's a bass, bass player? player. Bass player. Yeah. Uh, I don't like him as much now. Yeah, but, I don't uh, either. Trust me. <laughs> but no, he uh, he's unfortunately he's lost his wife to cancer. Right. I mean, yeah, we miss you. Yeah. yeah, and she was real cool, and he is. She, I don't know how he's dealing with. It. What a strong dude, right? He just keeps it moving, man. That's the example. Yeah. Fowler, what a guy, what a guy. So, yeah, so paid in yeah, full. Matter of fact, it, Matt, is this an album? Like a, like when you say album, like a full length? Yeah, this is going to be a full length. We actually, uh, uh, if you guys uh, want to play play a song off that, you should play um, Make It Through. We wrote that song for Angela uh, before yeah. she passed. It's on the um, it's on the EP, but we okay. should play that. But um, yeah. yeah, this is going to be a full length. It's going to be like eight to nine songs. Um yep. So that's going to be, I'm really excited about that. We're really only like two or three songs away from that being done. So um, once we get back to practicing, I think we're going to record it with Scott from Earth Crisis. I'm pretty sure we're going to do it with him. So that's going to be really fun. And then uh, we also have the uh, the very anticipated Bushido record coming out. Bushido Code's got a new full length coming out. Um, we're super excited about that. Been working really hard on it. It's called The Ronin. It's going to be... Uh, the Ronin? It, yeah, it's kind of fun to write in that band, man, because you get to kind of like it's a metal band, so you get to to use the the fantasy stuff, and you can you know twist the lyrics to be political, but in a fantastic kind of way, and it's it's a lot of fun, man. It's like, yo, uh, what is a Ronin? What what is that? A Ronin is a masterless samurai. So, a, a masterless samurai. Yeah, yeah, masterless okay. samurai. What's that so, mean? Well, so it's like a a Ronin is kind of like a lost. Uh, in the warrior code, they all all the samurais had a shogun, like a master, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you ever heard that story, the forty seven Ronin or whatever. Uh, they were they were masterless samurai who took went against went against the shogun at the time's rule and uh, uh, kind of betrayed his rule to defend their master. And uh, they all knew that by doing that, they would all be killed. They they would they would certain death. But mm. to save, to believe, to 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 honor him, they took that death on. So by the end of it, they all had to kill themselves, pretty much. Oh, okay, that's a cool yeah. name, man. I like that. Yeah. So what what we did with Bushido, which is really cool and a lot of fun, I think, is that we took um, on the first two EPs, we took the Bushido Code itself, and uh, we wrote each song and representation and uh, representation of of each. Uh, each of the the laws they live off uh, benevolence, honor, you know that whole thing, and then um, courage, and 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 we did that. So it was kind of fun that I could take these lyrics and kind of create a modern, like picture a, a, a samurai of that time living in the world today. How <laughs> how much of a true killer he would be because mm. everything they believed in is something that we've lost. You know, honor and respect, integrity. I mean all of us in some way or another would probably be under the blade. You know what I mean? So I was like, yo, what's cool is taking that idea and kind of creating a whole world out of it 
in a kind of a fantasy way, like in which is fun with metal. You can do that. So kind of doing that. So we wrote like the Ronin, which is a story about this Desu character. Cause we wanted to create, um, like, you know, what I loved when I was a kid was like the Iron, remember Iron Maiden and like, um, Megadeth and, and, you know, all these bands, they had those, those, you know, those guys like Eddie from Iron Maiden. I don't even know what that from Megadeth is called. What is that guy called? Does anybody even know? Herman, is that his name for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah Herman. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Herman or whatever. And I, I was like, yo, our generation doesn't really have that. These younger kids, they don't have that. They only have the ones that we had. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So with this, I wanted to create like this Daisu character, which is like this masterless samurai who's kind of like dead. But the only thing he has is this code. And he, and he's, he has a dying, violent loyalty oh, to this shit. code. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know. If you don't, if you don't live by the code, if you sway from it in any way, you're gonna lose your head straight up. You know what I mean? Dope. So and you got like, you got Derek. We had Derek in, in the podcast uh, probably a year or two ago, and it's a, he's a very talented guy, right? Yes, he's probably as a guitarist. I've never worked with anybody like. I mean, he's been my friend forever. I mean, I've known him as long as I've known you guys, but he yeah. um as a as a talented as a guitarist i mean oh man he's like on another level dude <laughs> that guy's on on some on some crazy yeah, everybody in the- freakish freakishly good well yeah, yeah like we- he's he's good at everything he does isn't he he's like oh good yeah boxer like, good yeah. artist good tattoo artist good fisherman good yeah, guitar player you kind of hate his guts a little bit you know what i mean like just a yeah. little like just a little bit people like that always bother me because it's like yo pick one thing and and you'll be the man. All right, stop fucking around. Pick one thing and do it, because he just he, you know the guy. Everything he touches, he's just really good. Uh, at. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it's like to That's try to though. compete with that. You know. Yeah. So yeah. we're really excited about it, man. And I think Rocco and Sean and and Kyle are all killing it. And uh, we're really, you know, trying to make the best out of this situation. You know. So That's hopefully dope. the album comes. Comes out good. People say they like it, but I wish we had more downloads. <laughs> I guess we'll get there. You know? Yeah. Well, hopefully this stuff. helps. Hopefully yeah. this helps. Yeah. yeah I mean, we get a couple hundred we're just, thousand. We're playing. Yeah. Right. It'd be dope. But we're just playing an old school thrash metal, man. We're playing the music that I grew up listening to, where I started, you, where I broke my teeth. So. Do you wear high tops when you perform with this band or no? No, I never understood that whole why you got to have a dress code to do something. That's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> I can't stand that. Oh, Yo, yeah, listen, why are you covering I, tattoos uh, then? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I fell in love with tattoos. Not because you wanted because... to look the part. That was part of the costume. No, don't, you don't, get me, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. I mean, I, I definitely understand that's part of being punk rock and hardcore, and that's part of the whole thing. But as you get older, I guess. I mean, I guess it is a young man's game because when I was younger, I was trying to look like Mike Murr and all those guys and. You know, yeah. I still I still kind of dress like that, really, honestly, to this day. But um, call him again, and I was all right. No, 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 it's all right. Really, it's really it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Yo, uh, my laptop is about to die like any second yeah, now, so we're gonna have good. to cut this thing short. Uh, not that it's short; it's about a. We've been recording for over like an hour and forty minutes, so that's pretty yeah. good, Mike. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's cool, man. I appreciate not you too guys shabby, doing- eh? Uh, yeah, bad. now that we're doing it this way, we could get a lot of people on that we couldn't get on before because of the distance and all that. So, Mike, yeah, yeah we'll uh, I'll talk to you later, and we'll uh, we'll play we'll play some of the uh, after this interview. I'll have Chris edit in some uh, some of the songs. 
Real right, quick, tell cool. everybody uh, where they can find you on social media. Okay, like you your, can ba- find, your bands and stuff. Okay, you can find uh, us on Instagram at uh, Bushido Code Metal, and uh, you can find Paid in Full, Paid in Full in uh, NCHC, and check us out on uh, Upstate Records. Uh, but for and uh, you know, sit some likes, man. Buy some records. Support me, man. Support me. You got it, man. And uh, Joe, I'll let you go now. Joe might already, oh, Joe's already gone. Yeah, his computer died. Yeah, he died, I think. But yeah. uh, all right, homie, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, all right, my blood. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker. Who the fuck you think you in? This is Post America. You ain't shit, motherfucker.